Hello, and welcome to First to 15, the official podcast of USA Fencing. I'm your host, Brian Wendell, and in this show, you're going to hear from some of the most inspiring, interesting, and insanely talented people in this sport we all love. First to 15 is for anyone in the fencing community, and even for those just checking out fencing to see what it's all about. So whether you're an Olympian or Paralympian, a newcomer, a seasoned veteran, a fencing parent, a fan, or anyone else in this wonderful community, this podcast is for you. With that, let's get to today's episode. Enjoy! Today we're chatting with a young saber fencer whose name is already gaining recognition within the fencing community. That's Jenna Showman, and at just 17, Jenna's achievements are already the stuff of fencing lore. From the Manhattan Fencing Center to the global stage, her dedication is something to behold. And I, I always point to that moment at the 2022 Summer Nationals in Minneapolis when Jenna achieved a perfect pool where she got 30 touches for and zero against. So that we're definitely going to talk about. Jenna is a member of the 2023 Junior and Cadet World Team and claimed a bronze medal at Junior and Cadet Worlds and Cadet Women's Sabre that was in Plovdiv, Bulgaria earlier this year. So welcome to the podcast, Jenna. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. And we've chatted before for a variety of reasons, but I'm excited to get you on the podcast. And I think the logical place to start is talking about where you started fencing. So what drew you to the sport and and how long have you been competing? Yeah, so I started fencing when I was 11 years old. So I've been fencing for six years now. And I used to do martial arts in a town that also had a fencing club nearby. My friend, she was a fencer who fenced at that club. And one day I was injured. So she told me to come watch her practice. And then automatically Mm -hmm. when I went, I watched her practice and I was intrigued by the sport and I decided to try it for myself. And after that, I immediately fell in love with the sport and continued it. So 11, does that like, because nowadays that seems like a little bit late, like a couple of years later than when some people got a start, but obviously that hasn't affected your results. So like, how did you get up to, to speed so quickly and, and get, get out there and, and find success? Yeah, I was always a fast learner. I used to do okay. swimming before martial arts and I was also pretty good at swimming and martial arts as well. But growing up, I just picked things up really quick and through practice and consistency, I am where I am now. Yeah, I love that. So looking back on your fencing journey so far, do you have like a a highlight? Obviously, you're 17, so there'll be more highlights to come. But of your medals and of your experiences in fencing, is there one that stands out to you? Yeah, I think my best accomplishment to date has to be my bronze medal at the 2023 World Championships in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. But I actually Mm -hmm. recently just achieved my best national result, which is getting second place in Div 1 at the October NAC. Right. Yeah. So what was that experience like? Because obviously, a lot of people have told me that they're kind of nervous about making that jump from juniors to Div 1. That seems like the the biggest jump that you can make. Obviously, cadets to juniors is a big jump. Youth to cadets is a big jump. But juniors to Div 1 seems like a, a really challenging one. So like, how did you find the confidence that you needed to to get on the medal stand that day? Yeah, I think a lot of it comes with just like the plan and like the skill set that I have. I also okay. train with a lot of strong girls at my club, like Elizabeth, Maya, Nora. And mm-hmm. with training with them, they also like help me build my confidence in fencing older girls and just being able to live up to that level of different skills and high skills from all these different girls. So I think that is a really big part of it. So, yeah, Manhattan Fencing Center obviously is, has just this like 
legendary program when it comes to Sabre specifically, right? Mm-hmm. And so what's what's it like when you're actually there on you know, on a weeknight training and you see, you know, some of these like senior world team members walk in? Are you are you ever intimidated? Or are you are you like, okay, here's my chance to defense against someone who on paper maybe is better than me at this point? What are you thinking in, in those training sessions? Yeah, so initially I definitely was intimidated by them, but luckily I have created and established a friendship with all the girls so right now it's it's never like intimidating they always help me grow as a fencer and they are definitely a part of my growth as a fencer now like I said they have definitely helped me build my confidence so it's really never intimidating they I always ask them questions and they always give me advice so that has definitely been a part of my growth which is cool because ultimately you are competing against them for spots on these teams, right? There's yes. only so many spots on any given international squad. So to hear that they're still like supportive and want to help you grow is is really great because you're also kind of gunning for them in a sense, right? And trying to get their spot down the road. So what's that dynamic like, you know, knowing that you're, you're friends, but you're also in some sense rivals as well? Well, that's like the special part of it. Although we are rivals, they're always there for me and, and- we always help each other grow. We do fence each other like almost every day. But while we're fencing, we always give each other like tips. We always ask each other questions and they're always just, we're always just there for each other. So I think that's what the special part of it is that although there is like that rivalry, like within it, we're all like friends and we're all always there for each other. That's cool. I, I like hearing that because you, you want to think that it's kind of like that, that Hallmark vibe, but you never really know, right? I think people would be interested to know, like, what is the, the, the Jenna Showman training schedule like? So, like, what what does a typical week look like for you? Let's say a week where you don't have a tournament coming up that weekend. Like, what would that training look like for you? So, there are three classes a, a week at Manhattan Fencing. Mondays, Wednesdays, Saturdays, and two days of free okay. fencing, Tuesday and Friday. So, within balancing, like, my school and fencing, although sometimes if I'm have like assignments and assessments and like an overload of those then I wouldn't go to both days of free fencing usually I go to the classes Monday Wednesday Saturday but maybe I'll like go for one day of free fencing either Tuesday or Friday depending on which one is more crowded which one has more people there so usually I think what I what I do is Monday Wednesday Friday and Saturday because Friday is more like near the weekend so a lot of people will start to go there from different clubs so that's always helpful like not only fencing the same people but also fencing people from other clubs and then monday wednesday and so the classes are from like 7 or six thirty, and then i just usually end by like 9 30 10 so that's that and then saturdays are classes at one and then i usually stay there till like four so that's a lot of hours if you add that mm-hmm. all up. How do you balance it all with, you know, trying to get schoolwork done, spending time with your friends, all that all that stuff that, uh, you know, is just part of any fencer's life? Yeah, definitely. So I definitely have established a really strong time management skills. What I It took a while, but I think I definitely perfected like a routine. So my I'm very lucky to have like a calendar. So my school, what they do is there's like a calendar for my assignments and like my assessments. So mm-hmm. with that calendar, I get to see like all the ass- assignments that I have for the week. And I always like to look ahead because I get to see what I can do early. And f- within like tests, I always take them like, for, let's say I'm traveling that weekend. I always take them before or after. Usually I do take them before because I like to, when I come back, 
I like to know that I'm caught up with the class and not taking a test and learning the material that I missed. So I usually take that before. In terms of my time management skills, I think what I what has definitely helped me is creating a strong relationship with my teachers. It allows me to like communicate with them. Now, like a lot of my teachers know who I am, like in the fencing community, and they always help me to see like where I can fit in the assignments and the classwork that I missed and also find time to finish it and like make up any work that I've missed. So I think that's a really big part of it. And also just always making sure that like talk to my friends and just having that social aspect in my life, because I think that's also really important to find that balance and to always have like fun versus like work. And you know, some of your friends are f- other fencers too, right? So yeah, that always helps that always when helps, you're yeah. you're traveling with people and that you're that you're friends with. So that's that's good advice about you know just like leveling with your your teachers. Right. So you're saying that that they do have a sense of like that you're competing on the international stage and you're winning international medals. Like, do they know who you are within the fencing world to some extent? To some extent, because my school does have a lot of fencers, in, okay. not only in my grade but also like in high school in general. So a lot of, that helps. yeah, yeah. So they, they always tell my teachers like how I did if I'm not there. So when I come back, my teachers either congratulate me, ask how I did. And that also, that also really does help. And also because my school, whenever we have to go somewhere, we need like the teachers to sign like a piece of paper that's, that allows me to like be able to leave. So I'm always like asking my teachers to like sign the piece of paper for me to be able to go to a competition. So they always know ahead of time that I'm going to be gone. And it does help me because they always ask how I do. And then when I tell them, it gives them a sense of who I am in the fencing community. Yeah, that's great. So they're they're becoming fans almost too, yeah. right? So eventually they'll they won't even have to ask you how you did. They'll be like, I saw on Instagram that you, you know, placed this or whatever. That's that's great. Um so speaking of Instagram, actually, I want to talk about that perfect pool because it, this happened shortly after I started my position with USA Fencing. It, it was at the Summer Nationals in 2022. And honestly, I didn't yet know your name at this point and, and know like who you were. But I started getting messages from people who were like, hey, Jenna Showman just had a perfect pool, which anybody listening to this would know. But just in case that that means that you started that first bout five and oh, five touches for no touches received or, or against. And then you just kept going five oh, five oh, five oh, until you had won every single pool bout with that that record, which is unheard of in fencing. It's it's super rare. So when you think back on that 2022 Minneapolis Convention Center, like what do you remember about that day? So what I really remember vividly is it's actually a funny story. I really didn't realize or notice that I was winning my bouts five zero until more than like halfway through. So maybe like my mm. fourth bout, I probably realized and I only realized because my coach, he'd actually told me it was like, let's see if you can win all your bouts 5-0 and have a perfect pool. So I obviously took right. the challenge and I wanted to see if I can do it. However, when I was fencing, I although I did keep it in the back of my mind, it wasn't really what I was focusing on because it's likely to be able to like lose a silly touch if you're not really yeah, focused. Yeah. So I focused on my plan. Like ever, since, like ever since he told me that, I focused on my plan and my fencing because obviously if I focus on my fencing and my plan, the score will come. So I knew that every touch counted. So I tried to keep my fencing pretty simple and be smart with it. So that's what I really remember. Yeah. I mean, but it's one thing to, I mean, everybody wants to go out and win every, every pool about five zero, but you eventually did it. And do you remember stepping onto the strip for that last round of pools and being like, okay, it's, it's within reach at this point, or were you still just kind of focused on 
on you know that old cliche of one bout at a time, one touch at a time. No, it was definitely like it was definitely right there. I was what I was focusing yeah. on. I was like, let's see if I can really do it. But as soon as I on guard, like my first touch, I just focused on my fencing, and I really remember it being a really quick bout because like probably the quickest out of all the other bouts because I tried mm-hmm. to keep it as simple as possible because if I try and got too like comfortable or wanted to try new different techniques then obviously the score wouldn't be like B50 because I'm trying too many things so I just tried to keep it as simple as possible and just finish the bout and finish the pool and then once word got out like what was the reaction from teammates coaches random people who came up to you at, at the tournament, like what, what, what happened next? Mm-hmm. So firstly, I was super proud of myself because I was able to stick to my plan and show like solid fencing. My coach mm-hmm. was super impressed and proud that not only was I able to have the perfect pool, especially because he's the one that challenged me to it, but also that I showed smart fencing. I think that was the main reason. Mm-hmm. And then as far as peers, I actually have a funny story about this. So I was talking to a teammate and she'd asked me how I did in pools. So I told her that I won like all my pool bouts. I was undefeated. And then she she was like, oh, did you win them all 5-0? And I thought she was being, she'd seen the results, but she actually asked it in like a sarcastic manner. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, yeah, I did. And then she was like, oh, did you actually? And she checked and she was like super shocked after checking. But like throughout, of course, yeah. yeah. Throughout the competition, like other people came out to me and like mentioned it and like commended me for it. And it was, it was pretty nice. Yeah. And then so... You've got a big target on you at that point, right? Like not not that you don't anyway, but you're the top seed. That that's a good way to guarantee that you're going to be the top seed coming out of mm-hmm. pools. I find I'm no fencing expert, but feels like that would be the best way to do it. So that affects your your path, you know, through the DEs. And so let's back up a little bit and and say even though you can't expect a perfect pool every time, you always want to do your best in the pools. So how important is it to to you to like hit the ground running and do well in pools to set yourself up later. And then also, if you do drop one of those or more, how do you make sure that doesn't phase you and knowing that there is room for a margin for error in that round? Mm -hmm. So I think performing well in pools definitely sets you up very well in the tableau. Like you said, Mm -hmm. obviously, ultimately gives you like a path that's relatively simple until a certain point. So so having this perfect pool obviously put me first after pools and it did give me a relatively simple path path however regarding losing a pool bout I think the main thing is going into every single DE with the same mentality of without underestimating or overestimating my opponents so like for example if I were to go in a pool bout although I do want to go in and be undefeated if I were to ever lose a pool bout I don't think it would really phase me that much because having that mentality to go in with always just not under or overestimating your opponent because ultimately you do have the same chance of winning when you're on that strip. So I go in with the same energy every bout and fight for every touch regardless of the opponent. And I think that mentality is better than wanting to go into a pool and wanting to be undefeated because that does put like pressure to want to win every bout. And maybe sometimes you'd like lose a silly touch, but I think having that mentality to go into every DE with the same energy, I think that's better. Mm-hmm. I think that makes perfect sense. So I want to talk about your cadet women's saber bronze medal. It's incredible. It was it was great to. I was lucky enough to get to see you fence that day in Plovdiv. That was in in April, and you mentioned that that was one of your proudest achievements. But now that we're kind of six months or so, seven months removed from that, like what do you 
What are you most proud of about that day? And what do you think when you reflect on that tournament? Yeah, so looking back, it's a definitely a great result. I'm, I trained super hard for the competition and I really did give it like my best for everything that I worked for for the past like few months. And obviously I was going for the gold, but this result was the bare minimum. And I'm super proud of myself for being able to represent the U.S. among like the country's fencing. I mean, it is ultimately like the best girls in all the different countries. So it was definitely a reflection of not only my hard work, but also like my coach's efforts as well. And I'm truly just really proud to be able to end my cadet age category on a very high note, especially because I worked super hard for it. And it did really reflect in through the medal or just being up there on the podium. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like a, a bronze medal, like you said, it's it's the best in the world are coming there and they're all kind of, you know, gunning for the U.S. too, right? right? Yeah. I feel like that was one thing I, I noticed is like the U.S. has historically had, you know, quite a bit of success at that specific tournament. Mm -hmm. And so I almost feel like this could just be in my head, but I almost feel like people will bring out their their best when right. they see somebody yes. from the U.S. against right. them. Like, do you feel that at all? You you compete internationally quite a bit at the cadet and junior level. Like, do you feel like people are, you know, almost going against the U.S. in that in that sense? Yeah, I do sometimes because I always sometimes feel like since we always do dominate like in a lot of the international competitions. I think everyone does show their best, especially when they're fencing the U.S., especially because we're not always in like the European championships or like the European competitions. So I feel like whenever we do fence or whenever I fence someone from a comp like a different country, they do give me their best. So I feel like I have to reciprocate that right back and give them my best and try and win. So can we back up a little bit and talk about the qualification process for juniors and cadets? Because it, it's based on your performance throughout the season, right? And that's how we, we being USA Fencing, determines who gets an invite to that tournament, right? That's how the squad is, is formed. So when you start a season, how are you determining which tournaments to, to register for, which ones to prioritize, and exactly how well you, you need to perform at each one? to secure your spot in, in Plovdiv this past April? So I'm pretty sure there's three domestic slots. I could be wrong. It could be three or four. And then four international slots that are on the points list. So when I was registering for the competitions, I tried to obviously register for all the NACs to be able to get the domestic slots filled. So I'd register for as many like junior or like Div 1 competitions at the NACs because I feel like those would be the places where they'd fill up the best or give me the most points. So that's for the domestic slot. And then I went to all the cadet international competition and junior international competitions last year. And I gave it my best. I fenced hardest after that. And the points that I would get for that, they would fill up my international slots on the cadet points list. So with the domestic and international, they're added up and then that's how many points you have. And then it's determined, like it puts you in the ranking and then determines like who gets to go. So I, I always just looked at where I can get the most points and where, wherever that would be, I'd sign up. And then that would be the competitions that I would sign up for. And once it's on that, that calendar, then you just go and try to finish as high as you can. Exactly. Right? That's then, then the math is done and you, you just get out there and fence that, that makes a ton of sense. So 
Obviously, your results are, are making younger fencers take note of you and, and say, I want to fence like Jenna Showman. I've heard people say that, actually. And it makes me wonder, like, who are some of the fencers that inspired you? And you say, I want to fence like this person. Like, is there somebody whose game that you're trying to model your own career after? Yeah, so my true role model in fencing is and has always been Daga Wozniak. I've always mm-hmm. looked up to her ever since I started fencing. And she does truly really inspire me to be the best fencer that I could be. And like I said, I train with the three strongest girls in the country, Elizabeth Tartakovsky, Maya Chamberlain, and Nora Burke. And like I said, while training, I always do look up to them and learn from them. They always give me advice and I truly take them as role models, not only on the strip or while fencing, but also as individuals as well. And they have definitely been a part of my growth as a fencer. And I'm super lucky to have created a relationship with them and established such a strong relationship with them. Yeah, those are huge names. And and obviously, Daga is you know still involved in the sport and is, is inspiring people as a coach now, which we love to see that. Something that I've actually heard Daga talk to defensers about is the is the mental game. So that's that's a great transition into another question. I wanted to ask about which is that mental side of the game. Do you have a way that you can prepare for a competition to make sure your head's in the right spot when that 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. call time arrives? Yes. So preparing mentally for a competition is a huge part in the way that you perform. I try not to think too much about the outcome. I think what has helped me the most is trusting the work that I've put in and just taking each step at a time. So for example, like taking every pool bout at a time or every elimination round at a time and just executing my skills to the best of my ability. I always go to a competition like trusting that I trained hard. So I shift like my focus from any external pressures like, like winning or losing to the process of wanting to perform well and just focusing on my fencing. So I think that kind of goes back to having that perfect pool because establishing this mentality, it also makes fencing a lot more fun as I'm getting creative with my fencing. And then while I'm at the competition, I usually listen to music and this kind of helps me zone out any unnecessary thoughts and it does energize me to get ready for my bouts and then also focus on my plan. So let's say the women's saber competition that you're in that day starts at 9 a.m. What time do you like to arrive at the venue and start start warming up? Like I love to hear about your your process there too, like on the day of. Yeah, so when, if the event starts at 9 a.m., I usually like to get to the venue like two hours before. So I'd get there like at seven, right when it opens. And I kind of just first in the first hour, I like to stretch, kind of relax my body, meditate a little bit and just kind of relax because I don't fence another two hours. So I don't want to do too much and then get tired. So I'd probably start warming up like around 7.30, 7.45. And then for that hour and 30 hour, 15 minutes, then I'll start warming up doing footwork. But in the first hour, I just like to stretch, make sure that my body is ready for the competition. And just while I'm stretching, listening to like calm music. And then while I warm up, I'd listen to more hype music to kind of hype me up, energize me for while I'm warming up and then kind of just get ready for the competition. So your musical tastes almost uh, shift based on right. what activity you're you're doing at that point. That's really interesting. So the competitive atmosphere like at 
international versus domestic tournaments. You've, you've been to a lot more than I have. So I'd love to hear like how you feel about how they might differ and any similarities you have you've noticed between those, those two, like a, a knack with where there might be 150 fencers in the pool. And then you go to a, a junior world cup where you're competing against maybe 50, 60, 70 women. Yeah. So that's definitely one part the the amount okay. of people that are on the event. Both atmospheres are really different. In a domestic setting, I practically know all my competitors as we do see each other every month or so at a NAC. Mm-hmm. While in the international setting, I typically only like fence my opponent once or twice or even never sometimes. So given that, I have to be able to quickly adjust during my bouts to like new techniques and new styles. So, and also like in an international setting, it's ultimately just the best countries and best girls from all over the world so it's definitely like you said um a lot smaller so sure so is has there been a kind of a, a pivotal moment in your career that that you point to as so we talked about some of your results but has there been something in your career that has shaped who you are as a competitor today so in may i actually went to my first ever senior world cup in batumi georgia and i think that tournament has definitely been my pivotal moment because I always watch and like hear about the top girls in the world and I I really do enjoy watching them but it's it's definitely different when they're right in front of me like when they're fencing I get to see their fighting spirit and their composure so that aspect definitely has helped me just simply through watching them I feel like I grasped and I always try and like mirror them a little bit so just being able to see them right in front of me has taught me a lot and I feel like it has given me some confidence and helped me grow a lot as a fencer. Yeah, that's really interesting. So these are things that you wouldn't have picked up on just watching the stream, exactly. in other words, like if the, the women are headed to early on, right, like like they are this weekend when we're recording this, that you're you're saying you're, you notice things in Batumi that you you can't pick up on on that live stream exactly just like their warm-up process like when they got to the venue or like what they do between their breaks what they do before their bout what they do after their bout just like the little little movements little actions what they do I think that has definitely been something that I've really learned from them and oh it's always different in person like everything's always different in person that's really interesting and then obviously you had to, you know, compete against some of these, uh, some of these women too. So how do you like fight the, you know, the intimidation factor? I mean, it goes back to like when, when we were talking about when you first started going to MFC and Manhattan fencing and, and competing against some of these top women in the sport. So now here you are again, where you're, you know, the kind of the, the newcomer on the, on the scene, on the senior scene. How do you um, get your head right for that? Yeah, I was going a little bit intimidated, but as soon as I was there, I really wasn't intimidated at all. It was my first one, so I didn't really have any expectations for myself. I just wanted to make sure to learn as much as possible, see how well I could do, and just focus, like I said, focus on my fencing, because ultimately it's my first ever Senior World Cup, so there really are no expectations for me, and I didn't really make any expectations for myself. So I just really took it as a learning opportunity, and I can definitely say now from where I am now that competition has definitely helped me build like confidence and just build like who I am as a fencer yeah successful trip then 
So as we kind of wrap up, do you have a goal for your, your fencing? And you can go as, as far out as you want, or you could just say for this season, like however you want to define what your goal is, where do you want to, to take your, your career next? So my goal for this year is to make the junior team. And then my goal, like in general, is definitely to make the Olympics. And short-term goals are just to like focus on staying consistent in competitions and training, giving it my best, focusing on fixing my mistakes and just overall just getting better. And I think that will definitely come through like my consistency of training and just focusing on like little little things after competitions and just making it the best that I can be. Yeah, absolutely. And we haven't, I realize we haven't talked about collegiate fencing. Like what's your, your, what's your plan there? And do you intend to continue fencing in, in college? Yeah, definitely. I do plan on continuing fencing in college and I'm super excited for it. Right now, I think it's really important for me to take the time to improve my skill set and enjoy the last year of fencing as a high school fencer and then just getting ready for that transition to collegiate fencing. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, it's been fun to watch your your journey so far. And I know that you've got some exciting times ahead of you. So Jenna Showman, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and good luck this season and beyond. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to First to 15, the official podcast of USA Fencing. We'll be back with our next conversation in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, you can stay up to date on all the latest fencing news by following us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you like this podcast, please help us grow and reach more people by leaving us a rating or review. Until next time, I'm Brian Wendell, and I hope to see you real soon out on the strip. Bye. Bye.